wet, cold, miserable, a Friday night on Teesside that Norwich City will be keen to forget and keen to forget very, very quickly. We've uh, made the long trip back down the A1 on Saturday uh, morning stroke afternoon and uh, we thought it was finally time to pull ourselves round the table to dissect and discuss what was a humiliating night for Norwich City. A 5-1 defeat away to Middlesbrough that has left their playoff aspirations hanging by a thread but probably beyond that left a lot more ill will and uh, negative feeling around what they're, what they're doing, where they are and certainly um, what this season has become. I'm Connor Southwell, joined by Paddy Dabbitt and Samuel Seaman. Uh, this is this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. I'm going to set the scene for you. We're sat in a in a lovely. Uh, I think I can say Asda, can't I? Yeah, I can say Asda. We're not we're not, we're not the BBC. Um, we're sat in Asda. Uh, it's a sponsorship deal to be done with any supermarket. We're not precious. <laughs> no, we're not. We're, we're open to offers. Yeah, we're we're sat in uh, in an Asda in, in Norwich. Um, I, I'm drinking a tea. What, what have you got there, Pat? Yeah, I've got a tea. Yeah, good. I went hot chocolate. I'm quite bored of hot chocolate by now, but I don't really, um, I don't fancy paying like two pound fifty for a tea or whatever. When you can it's only one twenty-five. Okay, well it's that's well that's a little bit better, but I reckon I could make it for thirteen p at home. So we've got we've got sort of different colours of tea pad. I'd say mine's significantly darker than yours. I was looking at that colour and I. That's not tea in yeah, my I house. I didn't know it was tea, to be honest. Uh, to be, to be that's honest, more hot chocolate. That's to be honest, I, I, it does look a bit more like coffee, to be honest. But I, I could drink black tea. I, I don't because it's terrible for your teeth. It's wrong. It's, and, it's, and it's also wrong. It's wrong on every level. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get... So McDonald's is a good example. I've gone to McDonald's and got a tea before and they don't automatically put milk in. And I've yeah. just drank it and not noticed. So, but, not noticed? No. That's no. unreal. So I quite like I quite like a strong tea. Yours is definitely a lot milkier than mine. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, when it comes to tea, additional elements. Yeah. No sugar though. Managed to wean myself off that in recent years. Uh, counteracted by <laughs> the, the trash that we eat on these trips, <laughs> to and from. So yeah, it's not really a huge saving to my metabolism by cutting out tea, and coffee in my uh, sugar in my tea. But there you go. Move on. Yeah, should we, should we start uh, away from the football? Let's start with the activities around the weekend. Uh, it's been quite eventful. It was so we we left actually not not far from where we're sat now. We we left at about midday. Uh, no, what time was it? About twelve thirty-five. Yeah, about twelve thirty-five yeah, on Friday, uh, and and didn't pull into the riverside. And that was. Did we stop? We didn't stop, no. did we? Without a stop, pulled in. At, um, yeah, only a, a brief petrol stop, but it was about ten past six, wasn't it? So. It gives you a sense of the magnitude of the trip. The A1 just uh, very slow moving. Lots of kind of traffic issues without there being anything specific really kind of holding you up. Um, so that's a, a, a brief window. Obviously, the city, well, uh, the vast majority of the 600 plus Norwich City fans would have endured a slightly similar journey. Um, Sam, I'm going to let you pick up the story from here. We get about an hour and a half away from the Riverside Stadium. Just talk to, to us about the events that happened. Well, I was the last to, to find out what was happening with my... Um accreditation on the day but yeah basically uh, the way it works is obviously when you sort of apply to go to a game as a news organisation you apply for the the car parking usually so that you've got a spot by the ground and also as journalists we all have to to apply individually to get into the press areas and um, usually there's not any problem whatsoever so we don't tend to I don't think check those things especially thoroughly but um, along with some logistical reasons that probably are a bit too boring to get into. Um, as you say, Pad checked for the, the car parking about an hour and a half away from the riverside. And then uh, 
he sort of so um, Paddy was in the front of the car me and you were in the back of it and uh, he showed you the, the thing and I thought he, he, Paddy said like oh bad news Connor and I thought oh we have, we've not got a parking space until it's revealed I've got the same news and I'm thinking I already know about the car parking space you don't need to inform me Pad except it says that uh, I've not got um, into the ground I've not, I've not been allowed into the press areas and I've then worked out that me and you are both probably set for a, a trip straight to the hotel to um, yeah, sit in one of our rooms and, and cover the game from you know, an hour away or whatever um, but thankfully we, we turned up, we gave it the old I mean you did more to be fair I was a bit like, well, you were yeah. like my big brother and I yeah, was sort of well, I, you know, sometimes in, in life you, you, uh, you have to kind of wing your way in and talk your way in um, I, I would say that you know, I, I did do drama is, in education <laughs> at school so I managed to kind of get the best puppy dog eyes on and you know oh, we've come a long way from Norwich and uh, luckily they, well I say luckily, maybe not in the end but they, they did let us in Pat. Yeah, shout out to Boris Head of Comms, Paul Clues, who uh, was... Clues, I think it is. Clues, is it? Clues. Yeah, Paul, his name's Paul anyway. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, uh, who was called to the reception area where uh, I led the delegation from that point. And he was, I think, uh, I got the sense, maybe at the start of the conversation, he would probably, I think he re, re- or re-established I would say, I would say us saying that we came all the way from Norwich that, well that you've stolen me oh, that was me that was going to say that was the tipping point when he realised that these four idiots had actually got in a car and not checked that they all had accreditation until an hour from or an hour and a half from our destination I mean he basically uh, made it clear that their policy as a club is two per organisation so obviously Adam and myself were already in um and four into two doesn't really go, does it? I know your maths isn't great, Connor, but uh, well, it does go, but not in the sense of you, uh, you know, four four people needing to get in when there's only two been allowed to go in. So in the end, it all came out in the wash. But uh, yeah, that's the first time we've experienced that this season. It was uh, didn't add to, didn't add to what was already quite a depressing car journey. Put it that way, <laughs> g- given the the incessant rain, traffic hour and a half longer than it should have taken and um, to then discover that did did contribute well I mean as as events then transpired on the pitch it probably set the tone for the evening didn't it really uh, and I'm sure you two would have liked to be back at our very nice uh, establishment with a roaring fire and uh, I don't know with your slippers on and a hot, hot chocolate watching it on the telly because you might have been spared the worst excesses of it but uh, no it was uh, yeah it was a memorable one of the more memorable journeys we've had um but thankfully, after the game, at least, it got a bit better in terms of uh, where we were staying, which was very nice. We won't give that a shout-out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, that was, uh, yeah, not, so, not an experience we need to repeat and we'll probably have to put some processes in place to ensure that we, before we depart Norwich in future, we actually know that we're in the ground. Um, but there you go. <laughs> so you're always learning in this job. But... Um, yeah, as I say, shout out to Paul, head of comms at Borough, surname to be decided. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think, I think actually come about 45 minutes and we were probably wishing that we weren't in the ground because it was uh, not a good night for, for Norwich City. I think we've, we've put off uh, talking about the football for long enough. I mean, 
and, and we spoke about this last week really on the podcast and we were speaking about Rotherham and you know how you could maybe view that as, uh, as in, in David Wagner's tone as being oh you know you could kind of flip it and you could say well four points over the Easter weekend you, you could make an argument that that was relatively productive even if that Monday we all felt was, was a, a little bit of a wasted opportunity you stretch that over the week now park the result for a minute and the nature of the performance because we'll, we'll come to that but purely the opportunity that they had where if they wouldn't have lost this game if they'd have drawn or won they'd have gone up to fifth in the table it all feels radically different and instead they, they failed to do that it's, it's the second missed opportunity in a week and I think it feels like we're going to talk about uh, uh, or talk a lot about mentality and uh, kind of what's between the ears that, that kind of feels quite fitting I guess of, of where this Norwich City group are yeah, and I think it's another one of those moments where, and it feels like there's been a few this season, I think because the league is so poor, um, there's so many inconsistent teams and Norwich themselves have been so inconsistent, it's a bit of a theme actually to look at the table and think actually things aren't that bad, but you apply the context of obviously not only the result but the way that they played and I think anyone watching that game will be well aware that it was a completely fair result, it was no... Um, sort of misinformation as to how things played out I think it was um, exactly how you, you would have expected from the two performances from the teams and despite the fact that Norwich as the, the Saturday 3 o'clock games sort of kick off now are still right in the mix probably tells you what you need to know about the championship but also um, highlights what a missed opportunity it's been this whole season for Norwich and we can highlight Rotherham and we can highlight Middlesbrough and, and other games there are numerous games really at various points across this season but it feels like actually Norwich have come down into one of the worst championships in my view of modern times and the whole thing is a missed opportunity because they came down and the financial um, processes that they put in place the loans they took out and the money they spent in the transfer market really put a lot of pressure on them to be promoted in a season when it probably would have been easier than the last two and yet they've ended up, I mean, they won't be close to automatic promotion and the playoff hopes feel miles and miles away despite the proximity points-wise. Um, and, yeah, I, I've said it numerous times this season, David Wagner and Dean Smith can apply the context of, oh, we're not too far away from the playoffs as much as they like. What really needs to be considered, and I know this isn't Wagner's fault, I think um, without pointing too many fingers... I'm sure Norwich fans know where they think that blame lies, but decisions were made in the summer about a club that should be promoted from the Championship, in my view, every time they're there, let alone when other teams are faltering on a very consistent basis and struggling for the form that Norwich have struggled for all season. So, yeah, I've broadened it out quite far there, but I just felt that yesterday was such a, an indication of where Norwich have been this whole season. And I think Norwich fans were just, just fed up afterwards. And they're totally fair too. And I've seen a lot of people on social media talking about how things are... People are blaming Stuart Webber for 15 minutes of madness or whatever. Or how people are looking higher than the coaches and the players for individual errors. And I think that's taking it out of context and that's ignoring actually what people are saying. And what people are saying is that this team is not good enough. And all the resources were there to make it a, a team plenty good enough to make the playoffs and, and probably should have been good enough to get in the automatic. So where Norwich find themselves, if not in terms of points, in terms of performances, is really quite bleak for Norwich fans, I think. 
That, that context that Sam spoke about there, that David Wagner has applied, I think we heard it from Dean Smith as well when he was in charge, um, although Norwich were, were probably more in the top six when he was in charge compared to, to where they have been. But at what point do we say they haven't been in the top six since December, they've won one in seven games, that this is just where they are in the table because they, they've proven they've had two opportunities now to break into that top six, four games left it's now not going to be in their control after today if, if certain results go in the way that we, we probably anticipate that they will. At what point do we just say that maybe sums up this Norwich group, that they were, they were close but not close enough to, to what they're trying to achieve this season? Well, I mean, I think some would take issue with they were close to what the objective is because the objective was automatic promotion and they're, they're nowhere near that. Um, Let's, let's get the, the caveat of the injury situation parked and out of the way and then we can move on. Yes, of course, nobody disputes and I thought it was graphically illustrated in terms of the, the lack of leadership on Friday night, particularly when the wheels started to come off and, and to quote Wagner, they lost their heads in that sort of spell just before half-time. That No Hanley, no Gibson, no McLean. Just purely as leaders and experienced players on the pitch just to steady what was a very, you know, very turbulent period. You cannot underestimate that. They hadn't done that when those players were in the side in certain games. Well, yeah, in certain games, yeah. But I think, I think that ultimately, if David Wagner had all his players available, certainly two of those three would start. I think that's indisputable. You could obviously debate whether Omar and Gibson they would flip flop, but the other two would start. So in terms of is without key elements over this period now, and that's a discussion because only it's a factor outside of his control. So you can't do anything about injuries. You could debate that other clubs have probably got similar injuries and that may be the case. But take that off the table now and everything else for me is in his control, is in those players' control. More broadly, to take Sam's point, was in the control of Stuart Webber and the people close around him and the executive committee before his ball was kicked. And to be here now at this stage, games in progress as we record this, but potentially they could be as low as 10th by the Saturday evening. Um off the back of heavy defeat on Friday night. One win in seven. One win in seven. At this stage of the season, that's just unacceptable. Injuries or no injuries. So, I think if you've got a, you know, a ledger from, from, from Cardiff onwards and, and it's all the right decisions on and off the pitch that that football club have taken versus all the poorest, poor ones, then we know where the imbalance lies. And ultimately, people should be accountable for that. Um, and it doesn't just rest with one individual at the apex. Every level of this club, they need to internally look at themselves. Maybe when the dust settles and, and definitively we know it's championship football again, and question, even on a micro level, what am I responsible for at this football club? Did I, did I carry out what I needed to do? Did I hit my targets? Did I achieve what I needed to do? And then you stitch all those constituent parts together and you're left with a football club who measured and benchmarked by their own stated aim of automatic promotion for the third consecutive time at this level with the financial commitment they made to make that happen this time round if as it would seem likely now it's it's not going to reach those goals or that goal that mission statement that's failure however, however you want to dice it however many mitigations you want to put on the table in terms of injuries which are there agreed but for me you know I think anybody externally or internally looking at this football club right at the moment would say it's not right, it's not working and the, and that's not a matter of opinion, you know, the facts are there if Norwich finish 
we'll say anywhere in a spread between 7th and 10th, 7th and 11th, that's failure. That, that clearly, over a 46-game cycle, nine months and more, if you add in all the planning that went in sub- subsequently following relegation from the Premier League, that huge body of work, and nobody for a moment is suggesting it's easy and that Norwich were just going to turn up at all these outposts and nine months later they were back in the Premier League. Of course, you know, anybody who's watched the last two times at this level, it is hard, even though they've come out the right side of it. There were moments of adversity. There were periods where they had to deal with, you know, negative elements around a campaign, but they found a way through on both those occasions. This time, they've just got lost in the forest. They they don't seem to know what they are, what they're trying to be, how they go about achieving it. And that isn't just purely about uh, Wagner now, following on from Smith and a group of players. I think it's the club more broadly. Um, That's why it feels, you know, it isn't just tinkering this summer in terms of we'll take that player away or this player will go anyway or we need to sell this player from the financial point of view and then we'll bring in one or two others to fill the holes and away we go. I think it's far more fundamental than that and, and that's that's the challenge and it's a huge challenge but you know we'll you know we can discuss that as and when as we 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 get to the summer but I think it just boils down to me that it's failure any way you slice this this is failure for this club this group of players this head coach less so because he's not had a huge amount of time and he's certainly not really you know the one window he had they brought in a lad on loan from Arsenal and they recalled Christos Solis um you know, from, from a loan spell in Holland. So I'm not saying you can exclude Wagner from criticism because ultimately he's had enough games now that we, 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 we all feel we should be seeing something better and something more akin to the good parts of his reign, the Millwall game, the Coventry game, the Preston game, one or two others along the way. So, of course, he has questions to answer, but obviously this is he has now inherited what what was put in place last summer long before he arrived in the building and you know that's ultimately where the book stops so you know while there's still hope they'll continue to fight but uh, you know the ju- the door now is is pretty much closed I think there's a shaft of light and that might swiftly be closed post this afternoon's games and certainly if they go to QPR and they'll get a win on Wednesday coming so you know maybe then we can definitively you know, basically dissect a failure of a season. But, 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 you know, even if they scrambled into the top six now, does anybody really think this group are good enough to come through that? Because it, the reality is they probably would meet a Borough somewhere in that playoff conundrum. They probably would meet a Luton. Are they good enough to beat those type of teams, even if they were able miraculously to get a McLean or get a Gibson back? I don't think they are. So, you know, it doesn't rest on the shoulders of one individual. But as a club, from top to bottom, it's not good at the minute. And, and it feels tired, as I, as I tweeted, I think, last night after the game. Tired, it's jaded, it feels like an end of an era. Um, and this summer will only have to be the start of that because we all saw how long it took Weber in 17 with Farquhar alongside him to an engineer what came to pass in 18-19. It took multiple transfer windows. It took a full season of mediocre championship football where they felt finished below Ipswich and dare one say, you know, the way Ipswich are going, you know, they have to seal the deal in League One, but if you, as you probably do expect them to come back up, then that might be where we are next season as well, them finishing below Ipswich in the Championship, because I think this is now going to take far more than one summer of uh, of medicine. It's uh, the patient's not looking too healthy at the minute, so 
you know, but we'll, we'll part that for now. Ultimately, we're discussing what happened on Friday at Middlesbrough off the back of what hasn't happened in the last few weeks, few months. And uh, any way you look at it, whatever perspective you're, you're coming from, whether you're pro a Weber, whether you're anti Weber, whether you're pro these players, pro the ownership or anti it, you know, what isn't in dispute is right now, as we record here, they are a million miles away from what we were sold they were going to be, which was a, an automatic promotion challenging group of players. That hasn't happened. So ultimately, people have to be held accountable for that. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the most comparable thing to this situation, and, and not not exactly comparable, but it's, it's the last time we were here, which was when Alex Neal was in charge. Uh, he got dismissed in that march, didn't he? I think they finished eighth in the end. Um, and, and again, it was kind of that thing of, maybe always being close to the playoffs without ever really looking like they were going to get into it. So again, there are parallels there. But that was deemed enough of a failure for the club to completely split the way they operate, to have a massive churn of players, decide to embark on a new project. So I'm not saying that that is the case, but are we in a similar position to that? I mean, it's only the people inside who can answer that. Are we that far away from it also is another point. And... Um, I, I think back when you were talking there I think it was Ralph Ranick when he was at Man United um, last summer spoke about surgery and open heart surgery didn't it and I think so, so it's kind of proven uh, and obviously on a very different level to, to what Norwich are operating in but it's, it, it is and I mentioned this on a, on a podcast a few weeks ago whenever anyone has come out to talk about the plan or what the club is or whatever it's always been oh yeah we want to get to the Premier League Okay, but how are you going to get there? No, 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 we want to get to the Premier League. That's the aim, and we want to, we want to stay there. Brilliant. Well, tell us how you're going to do it. And no one has been able to kind of tell you how you can do it. And I think you see this with relegated clubs a lot. It's why Stoke have been trapped down at this level for a while. It's why West Brom have been the same, because they just kind of lose focus and lose their identity of what they are and what they're trying to be, because it's almost like a, a tunnel vision view on, the, on, on getting to the Premier League and when you put all your eggs in that basket it can be so damaging you spoke about it earlier in terms of the loans the transfer policy you know, and, and, and to an extent that was why they embarked on this direction because they didn't want it to be that they, they wanted to have a sort of wider more philosophical outlook on football to an extent and yet it feels like they've almost conformed back to that and we find ourselves in the situation again and I, I don't really want to talk about the summer because we're going to have plenty of field well we're definitely going to have plenty of time to, to speak about that in the weeks ahead but it, you know they've got players who again are on a lot of money that they're going to struggle to shift this summer because they're on a lot of money and, and, and people are going to have to buy players who have underperformed this season so it's, it's a really tricky spot that they've got themselves in and, and again you mentioned the mitigation of injuries and you can accept that but Sam that group of players that were on the pitch last night that's not a group of players that should be getting beat 5-1 in the championship irrespective of opponent yes Middlesbrough have attacking quality they've got some really good players in forward areas but to lose 5-1 to concede four goals in 14 minutes including um, stoppage time which is the, the shortest period in which they've conceded that many goals since the 7-1 defeat at Colchester in 2009 I mean that it's, it's unacceptable and, and it's, it's embarrassing as well for fans. I mean, we've, uh, on our walk here, we've, we've, we've had one to sort of tell us it, it was embarrassing. That's, that's how they feel after that Friday night defeat. Yeah, and I couldn't help but feel sorry for them, to be honest, because they've turned up, probably travelled like us for about six hours to get there, um, spent their hard-earned money, probably a lot of it as well, just to be there. And it's, it's almost like... After the eighth minute, the Middlesbrough fans were loud and they were chanting and they were 
highlighting everything that was wrong with Norwich and how poor of a team they were. And that team wasn't giving them anything to respond with, to be honest. I think the most um, the most exciting and offensive response they could come up with was the fact that um, Norwich beat Middlesbrough at Wembley a couple of, well, what is it now, like eight years ago? So I did feel for those fans quite a lot. It is embarrassing to associate yourself with a football club that's going out there, humiliating themselves. And there's no longer a, f- a fear of a club who went into the championship as favourites. You know, every week there used to be a... Uh... Sorry, that's, uh, you, it's, it's interrupted because Paddy's... Tell us why you're fist bumping, Paddy. This might backfire dramatically, by the way. Well, no, I'm only just doing a recce on who QPR who playing today. It just happens to be Coventry, bizarrely. And, um, <laughs> oh, funny that. Yeah, and Coventry are now 1-0 up. Uh, Go on, tell us it takes them into the Guy Keresh, what a player he is. I don't know how many he scored, which is pertinent, given Norwich can't hit a backdoor with a, as whatever the saying is. Hanjo, but, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that puts Cov into the top six as and, it stands. And Millwall have just taken the lead at oh, Preston as well. Bigger. Which Bradshaw, um, another striker more, who scores more goals. pertinently, if you get the table up, I think we'll take Norwich. Uh, yeah, it pushes the Millwall four points out of Norwich. And, and that with four games to go is, is a big total. You're essentially talking about a two-game swing there. Um, and uh, as, as Paddy was desperate to mention, Coventry, as it stands, have moved up to sixth. But uh, again, we're recording this. It's uh, 17 minutes past three. So obviously these aren't final and uh, Blackburn play later in the day. Sorry, Sam. Go back to what you were saying. If you That's can, uh... OK. I think I was just saying about how embarrassing it, it was for those fans. And it was one of those where... Um, as much as I've been an Norwich fan in the past, I was, well, you know, I've, I've been in those away ends and there are certainly a lot of good things about it. It was a time when I was absolutely relieved to be on the other side of the stadium and not to have to try and come up with some sort of encouragement for my team. And uh, I think there were a chance of City till I die, but it's difficult to see how they're going to come up with any sort of optimism. And yeah, I think even the most sanguine of Norwich fans at, at this stage is going to struggle to find optimism going into a playoff race that rapidly looks like it's um, it's slipping away from them especially given this used to be a league not too long ago where Norwich fans could turn up at every ground and feel pretty smug even when they were 1-0 down they could just show um, opposition fans the league table and highlight quite how much better than their rivals they were and now they're almost a little bit of a soft touch and a team that probably anyone in the top six faces and, and says this should be a victory. So, yeah, for those uh, 600 travelling fans, I, I felt enormously. Um, and I hope they, they haven't got too many tickets for the rest of the season because it's going to be a, a struggle for sure. And um, even though they're coming up against some slightly easier opposition, I'm not sure how they're going to find enough points to insert themselves back into that playoff race with the standard and that that's not what we're talking about in terms of how far away it is even as the results uh, and the scores develop and it looks like things are getting further away what makes it feel most like the playoffs are unachievable was that performance and Wagner isn't going to get to change much of it given that injury crisis so um, yeah best of luck to them trying to get behind their team from now on but after the amount of commitment and money and time and pride they've poured into a season that's left them feeling shortchanged, you wouldn't really blame them if they start to give up. Yeah, I've, I've felt tremendously for them. Um, they've, been, they've been brilliant all season in, in the face of just 
wild inconsistency um, and uh, you said their match tickets aren't aren't cheap the, the travel isn't cheap for, for those fans who came up from Norfolk I think we we saw a post on social media saying that a lot of the coaches didn't get back till till five to three this morning um, a lot of them left I think they left at, at 12 or half 12 so that's that's a long old day and to be served up that is just inexcusable really I mean Angus Gunn essentially off, well he did offer an apology after after the game um, described Norwich City's performance as embarrassing David Wagner probably went further described it as horrendous I think we could probably go further if we wanted to but um, this is uh, probably wouldn't be broadcastable if we if we decided to do that but it, this was in many ways pad um, Norwich City 2022-2023 their greatest hits wasn't it start relatively well have a couple of chances that they completely squander concede with what was really Borough's first attack of the game um, then lose their heads and, and, and the performance to drastically drastically basically go off a cliff midway through a little bit of a head loss in the middle as well miss a couple of good chances for, for good measure concede another one and then just look pretty desperate well it brings and I've seen this point made since uh, on social media since Friday night but it, it, we go, we're going full circle back to at the time what felt quite a quite a bullish public statement from Wagner which was akin to this group in his opinion and he'd worked with them closely enough by that period too badly affected too emotionally affected by swings in, in games in terms of any, any reference scoring goals as well but certainly at the moment it's concessions and he detected that very early on well unfortunately that was graphically illustrated on Friday night the, this group, irrespective of the personnel on the pitch at any given time, don't seem to be able to handle adversity. Now, whether that's, as he alluded to to me after the game on Friday, the nature of they had maybe more tilted towards through necessity last night. A lot of younger players who were inexperienced and were in deep water there against a, a very, very good attacking Middlesbrough team and didn't know how to handle it. Can't have, haven't got oh, that, almost that muscle memory of a, of a bank of games to fall back on, professional games, which is all well and good, but. I think we've seen those kind of negative traits, character traits, when they've had more senior players on the park. So, you know, it leads you to think that it's that it rests on that group of players. You know, Dean Smith couldn't get a tune out of them. David Wagner, seemingly at this stage of his relatively early tenure, cannot get a consistent tune out of this group. So the group clearly has to be shaken up, and and that's e- that's easy to do to say, much harder to do in terms of the finances. You mapped it out earlier, Connor. There's contractual arrangements as players on decent money, who are going to be here contractually well beyond this summer. So if they're not part of your plans, in, then you have to move them on, and, and with their with their tacit acceptance of that, if that is the case, and they're not moving on unless they can get as good, if not better, financial packages elsewhere. That's the the law of the jungle. So that's why. It, while we, I think we can all see, even people who wouldn't purport to have a huge amount of football knowledge from the outside. That's included. <laughs> well, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, absolutely. But we can all see that it needs quite some fundamental change. But it's one thing seeing that. But also, by the same token, I think that's very difficult to enact in one transfer window, uh, maybe even one championship season of football to come. So... That's possibly why there is a, a degree of frustration, dejection, anger maybe in some quarters among the Norwich fan base that I think they can they all feel that this is going to be a big turnaround now. And to broaden that out, do they want the same people shaping that who have brought them to this stage? 
you know, that's a fair question. Um, but, it, but it's also about, and I've said this before as well, whether those people, and, and let's, let's, let's throw Stuart Weber's name because I think that's the one that, that maybe most people reference. But there's, there's others within that as well. It's not fair just to, to, to simply say him. Um, there will, you, know, you could argue, well, do, does he now have the political capital to come out and say, yeah, I've overseen this and, and what is essentially a, 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 a really, really poor Premier League relegation yeah. relative to the money that they've spent, followed by if they don't get into the playoffs, even if they do and lose, um, again, you know, I've, I've presided over that. I'm, I'm going to be the person to fix it. That, that's a very difficult message to, to try and convey for anyone, isn't it? It is, but conversely, you know, to say nothing, to do nothing, to, to not message anything to your fan base at the end of this season, um, that's equally not acceptable, I don't think. And, and his most recent interview um, with the Training Ground Guru podcast... Uh, seem to infer that he was engaging him and I mean his football club were engaging with the fan base and were keeping them up to date I don't see that so um, you know it, we've we've discussed it around this this weekend's game that if this does end up where we think it's going to end up how do the club respond how do the top of that football club because they've got to be proactive mess it, well they should they have I don't see how they've got any other choice but what did they do at the end of last Premier League relegation season it was an internal club arranged interview um and they got criticised heavily for that as well, um, in terms of ca- accountability, in terms of transparency. They will get the same charges again if they go down the same path. But that's for them to decide in terms of their comms. And but ultimately, you know, if I'm a Norwich fan, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily Stuart Webber has to go as part of what comes next. But if Stuart Webber is part of what comes next, we need to hear that from him. And, and what next is. And right? what, what it is. Yeah. And, and an acceptance of where they've gone wrong, why they think it's gone wrong, and steps that they want to try and put in place to make it right. You know, it's all about taking... Take us out of the equation in the media. In terms of the fan base, it's about taking them on the journey with you. You look around at the best clubs at the moment. The, but Norwich did it so well as well. That's what I... It's hard to fathom. that From 17 onwards in very difficult circumstances that he inherited and nobody disputes that they they they, they almost sold uh, sold a vision to a fan base who were craving something different and, and they bought is, into yeah, it and this, and this is my point we're about, back there about again. the plan you look at where we are now and they speak and it's oh we want to get in the Premier League we want to stabilise well that's that's completely different messaging to what Connor, it was every three club, or four every, years ago. every yeah, single know, club in the championship wants to get in the Premier League yeah, and stabilise yeah. that's no, not that's a plan why you have to come that's out and speak plan. about why you, what you're doing is different or, or specifically what you're doing absolutely and stick to it. Well, I think what we're hearing is, is nothing right is the fact that last time it wasn't his fault Right, so he could quite easily come in and criticise everything that had gone before and say it wasn't going yeah. right, we needed to change it all. Yeah. Whereas now, I think it's difficult for any person to come out and especially because he's already done it after the last two relegations, it's going to be difficult for him to come out now and say, yeah, all right, I, I got it completely wrong. Because if he, if he comes out and admits, it's all my fault, I've got it wrong three times and three seasons have gone disastrously because of his decision-making... How can he possibly justify his existence in his position? So I think that's where the the real difference is. And, you know, we can talk about why things aren't the same way communication-wise, but for me it's quite it's quite clear-cut in that he wasn't at the club when he was when all the mistakes were made that he was criticising last time. Yeah, but that but that should that's absolutely indisputable. But that shouldn't then be a charter for him remaining in post moving forward no, and not communicating what the next is, what is the next episode look like, you know, what 
what are him and Wagner, if it is Wagner, what are they striving to do in the next phase? As I say, I mean, from my point of view, I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd certainly wouldn't have any issue if Stuart Webber remained in charge. I've got to be honest, because I think while he is culpable in a lot of areas, you know, let's not overlook... You know, we're here now talking almost, not with a sense of entitlement, because that would be wrong, but, but the fact that Norwich fans and anybody connected to the club expect them to be a Premier League entity. That wasn't the case when he first walked through the door. It was going the other way. And, and, and it was him who engineered it alongside Farker. So, you know, he, had, he has a lot of early credit, I think, in terms of somebody who was able to, to set a tone, set, a, set an end point and actually achieve it as they did so successfully and, and feel like they were ahead of the curve and that they were doing things that other clubs weren't doing in a lot of areas. And that was paying off within that self-funded model. But... If it was to be him again, at the, in terms of the next iteration of this, I personally wouldn't have an issue with that because I, if he's still got the hunger and the desire and the drive to do it, he's shown he can do it. But and, and if, and if that the was the case, yeah, yeah, that is the case. But if just on a final point, if that is the case and that's where his head is at, communicate that to your fan base. And of course, you will get the Sam. Sam's point is, is valid. That there will be plenty who say, "You've had your turn, mate. You've had your time. Move along now." You're failing. You've, you've failed multiple times now. Move on. But he's gonna. He's got that anyway. Now, any, any interview he ever does, now he talks about the criticism, and you know that he doesn't try and go anywhere near it because he knows it's there now. So that is there. That that's not new. That's not going to be amplified if he comes out and does any media or, or communicates to his fan base at the end of this season. But I, I just think, in terms of trying to turn the page now, is absolutely pivotal. Him, people at his level within that football club in terms of seniority who are shaping this journey this destination what is it what 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 is what is the next phase of this Norwich City journey look like you know irrespective of whether he's at the helm or not what is it because it's not enough just to say well we want to get back to the Premier League and then we, when we get there this time we want to establish ourselves because every other club in the top part of the championship certainly but probably even anywhere League One I'm sure Ipswich have got that same stated ambition and other clubs in League One you know Plymouth, I'm sure they feel if they can get up this season, they can they can aim for the Premier League because that's the dream. But it needs to be a bit more nuanced for me than that. It needs to be right. Mistakes have been made. We accept that, but we're going to put this right now, and this is what it's going to look like at the minute. If there's a void in terms of communication, then how can any Norwich fan, whether you're as I say, completely done with Weber? or you're willing to give him a chance, how can you really row in if you don't know what the next thing looks like? Yeah, and, uh, and of course they're, they're not going to speak, and it's quite right that they don't speak until the season's concluded either way, because uh, it, it can make you look very silly in, in short. So I think we're all going to have to wait until the season concludes, but you would hope that conversations are beginning to, or certainly have or are beginning to take place around what that communication looks like, because it's, it's needed. And, and, and I'm in a similar boat to you. I wouldn't necessarily have any qualms at all with, with Stuart Webber being the, the figurehead of what's next and he was actually asked um, I think we spoke about this at the time and it was a really good question uh, from Simon who, who runs the training round guru about do you feel you're a better kind of disruptor a better kind of change manager than you are kind of managing the status quo and I think he, he kind of agreed with that in, in, in his answer well that will essentially be the task and, and obviously the next point is about whether you know after and we speak about this with, with the players it's the same for the staff they put so much into two promotions 
I'm sure a lot of emotional energy went into those Premier League campaigns as well. You're right, the, the criticism, all of it does take a toll, clearly. On a, on a human level, do you have the energy to commit to that? Because it's going to be a massive summer and a massive project. And I think that's where you almost ha- he and only he holds the answer to that question. Yeah, and, and, and it's the same for anyone at the top of that football club. They have to be self-reflective and they have to ask themselves whether, whether they do because they're going to have to expend a lot this summer. Um, to, to, to move it on then, Sam, I mean, obviously Norwich go to, to QPR on Wednesday. I've had a look actually on, on, the, on the way back. They've only, so after losing games by a, a four uh, goal or, or more margin, they've only gone on to win, I don't know how many times they've, they've I, could, couldn't, I could go and count it, but off the top of my head I don't have it. Um, they've only gone on to win the next game twice, both of which came in the Premier League. And you've got to bear in mind, uh, one of those was in November 2013, after they lost 7-0 to Manchester City. They then beat West Ham at home 3-1. And then in January 80, in, uh, yeah, which was Daniel Farker, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. They lost 4-0 at Manchester United and then won 1-0 against Bournemouth. They haven't done it in the Championship. So uh, Brighton, when, when they lost 5-0, they, they then went, I think they lost three after that. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I think they, they drew at Bristol City and then at Blackburn. Obviously, Alex Neal was sacked in between in between those Bristol City and, uh, and Blackburn games. Obviously, the Sheffield Wednesday one in, in 2018, a little bit skewered, but they didn't win the, the opening game of the following season, even though that's not really comparable. So lots of other examples as well. But the history book suggests it's not the type of defeat that you're able, or certainly Norwich City aren't able to respond to, particularly at championship level. No, and that's quite a massive worry, I think, going into the next four games, because on the surface, they all look winnable. Um, Maybe West Brom will be tough going there away, but it certainly is one where they'll they'll feel or they would have felt before this Middlesbrough game that it was possible to go and get three points there. But yeah, without any sort of evidence of bounce back ability in recent years, you wonder where that sort of energy is going to come from. And yesterday I was trying to think of some optimism actually when I saw those four games and Adam, I thought Adam Ead had some nice pink boots on, that's about right. as close as I got. <laughs> Lovely pink boots, there you go. <laughs> Great. Um, well, I suppose the injuries were, were some positives. So, if you're looking for some of them, you know, have it. Not not the injuries. I've <laughs> <laughs> worded that poorly. Um, Jonathan Rowe and, and Sam Byram coming back from injury were positives. But yeah, that inability to come back from big setbacks and make statements after that was worrying. And um, yeah, I was left thinking about Sunderland, and I think they lost. I can't remember who it was to, but they had a big loss before they came to Norwich. Stoke. And Stoke, yeah. And um, there was sort of a lot of talk about bouncing back and were they going to make a statement. And coming to Carrow Road and being the better team and winning 1-0 probably was that. But I'm not sure Norwich have that characteristic. I'm not sure they've got enough players in that group, especially with those senior pros and those leaders out. I'm not sure they have the characters to really motivate themselves to go and do that they look like a group with really fragile confidence who probably will suffer from that thrashing now in the coming weeks and that's terrible news at this stage of the season I think Paddy said earlier and it's it's such a good point that losing one in seven is bad at any time but losing one in seven at this crucial crucial stage of not only the season but almost the history of Norwich City and the direction of this football club on a long-term basis losing one in seven at that point hints to me that the mentality is really poor and the ability to perform when you need to perform is really, really poor in this side. And amongst the various issues with this group, I think that's right up there with them because numerous times we've seen in big games when they've needed to perform, 
they haven't. And it's easy when you've got a new manager bounce, when they've had David Wagner, they're all keen to impress him and absorb his ideas and all the fans are behind them and they're loud and they're positive. It's easy to go and, you know, beat maybe Preston and Coventry who are now competing for the playoffs but they're not you know they're not they were never in and around the automatic spots and I think when Norwich went there I think Coventry had they quite were, a few injury issues didn't yeah. they on that particular yeah game. and they were impressed them and Preston were just basically bog standard mid-table at that, at that stage yeah, so <laughs> so you're being, uh, being kind of bog standard aren't yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I just think I think they can perform when there's not too much pressure on them but the ability to perform at, at big stages of the season and in big games really isn't there and uh, yeah that's a huge worry after this setback going into some of the games where they probably were looking at towards the back end of the season as potentially a big run up to the playoffs and um, yeah now that feels very very far away indeed. It, it, it does and, and, and Paddy I mean that, that mentality that, that we're kind of left to, to speak about I, I remember after the Huddersfield game David Wagner spoke about these kind of talks that they'd had between him and his staff had had with the players and how, you know, they felt that that had gone positively and, and what, they've won one game since then. So, I mean, you, you can debate it. But that kind of soft underbelly, and, and it's been a fixture of quite a few Norwich sides um, in, in, in recent years. That probably includes some successful ones as well. Um, it, I mean, this group does seem to suffer from it particularly. I think they've only won one game coming from behind, and that was the Millwall game. It's, um, it, it's worrying, isn't it, that this group of players, for all of the quality that, that we know individually they have, collectively are just unable to respond to, and we spoke about it earlier, that, that adversity when it's kind of put in front of them. Well, yes, that is true, but I've just double-checked again, and, and, and going back to the, the, the one in seven, I still can't fathom for the life of me why one in seven is the response to the win they had at Millwall. Because that was adversity. You know, they were they were one behind, calamitous goal. Uh, Bradshaw obviously scored again today, but profited from Hanley and Gibson and McLean to a lesser extent, not on the same wavelength. At a place where I don't think they'd lost in the league since certainly 22, back end of 22. They'd, they'd beaten Sheffield United, they'd drawn with Burnley in recent times. That's, a, that's about as adverse as you can get for me in the Championship. You know, Millwall traditionally we know very hostile place, intimidating place, and they came and they came through, and, and they were magnificent in terms of how they responded that day. There was quality in their goals. Zara was superb playing further forward, um, and also let's let's not forget how that game shook out when Norwich went three two. Sorry, when it went three one, Millwall get one back, and the last 10, 15 minutes it was barrage of balls flying into the box. That. Grant Hanley goal line block deep in stoppage time to preserve the win it's a mystery to me how that group of players have left that pitch that day when they should have felt invincible really and yet we're now looking back at it and that was the starting point for one win in seven it's just beggars belief and it probably does if you want to really stop and think and forensically examine it cuts to the heart of this group of players and their mentality like Sam said and it's not a talent thing, I don't think. It, it's it's something innate in this group of players, and and that's why for me it needs a huge shake up, and it needs personnel to be shifted out, and new personnel to be brought in. But again, at the risk of repeating what we've said already, that's what it needs. But can that be delivered in one transfer window? Unlikely. So, 
that's why you fear this is going to take a bit of a longer turnaround to it and it might not be next season it might be the season after it might be the season after that it might never be the next season um, if you look at some of the clubs we've discussed already in this pod who have languished in the championship or worse in certain cases um, you know Norwich themselves have fallen below the championship we know uh, in, in modern times so you know that for me I think when the dust settles and we're just examining the the Wagner element of this season it, that Millwall watershed will be the, the biggest mystery as to why they didn't go the other way and why we're not now instead of one win in seven it's one defeat in the next seven because that I think for most of us having seen what they produced at Millwall that day if you'd have asked us in the next seven games which of those two scenarios was more likely I think we'd have all plumped for the, the six wins or, or six unbeaten games out of seven because there was there was nothing really then holding this group back from going on fulfilling their potential securing that top six spot and then really hitting those playoffs with that momentum that they would have garnered from a run to the season in that fashion because now it's it's gone and, and, and it's recriminations when it should have been reflections on what a magnificent achievement from Wagner to, to as Alex Neil did previously albeit from a, a slightly earlier starting point to galvanise a group who looked to be going the wrong way pick them up dust them down a few home troops knock a few heads together and they went on an unforgettable journey that ended pertinently given what we're discussing Friday night beating Middlesbrough in the playoffs on a never-to-be-forgotten occasion at Wembley. But, uh, you know, maybe it's quite relevant. You look at that squad we're talking about there, that 14-15 squad, the Bradley Johnsons of this world, you know, um, Bassong when he was committed and focused, uh, John Ruddy, really streetwise operator, fully experienced player, Russell Martin, I know he had his detractors, but he'd been round the block. You know, they had they had that in them. That gl- and Jerome. Yeah, they had the, they had the quality, awesome. they had the quality, they had the talent, but they had the temperament. You know, when when it when it got tight, when it got difficult, they found a way down that stretch, culminating of course in, you know, getting the better of it, switching those two playoff games and then dismissively, I mean that playoff game was done. We all we can all remember it. That was done in the first quarter because they were they were so much better that Middlesbrough in any department you want a talent game or you want a game of football we'll beat you at that remember that superb team goal that Nathan Redmond finished you want to roll your sleeves up and have a battle that Bradley Johnson inspired team would have, would have done that as well this group no chance no chance as was proven yesterday when, when it came on top to use that phraseology in the second part of that first half they wilted they, in fact they threw it in it was a surrender it was a capitulation and, and, and they're strong terms to bandy about but on the evidence of what we've seen since Millwall, what else can you can you conclude about this group of players? When it comes on top, they throw it in. They, they've lost it, haven't they? It's as simple as that. The other teams, if, if they not to not to become Todd Campbell, but they, if, if they'd have gone on after after Millwall <laughs> and, 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 and done what they should have done, yeah. they would have finished in the top six. They have thrown it away themselves. That that's the point that I'm making. They have beaten themselves in, in, in that regard. One thing I did want to talk about before the end of the pod, and I suppose we have to really, is, uh, is Aaron Ramsey, which uh, just a really bizarre set of events for me, really. I mean, he scores, scores a goal, which was probably inevitable, really, probably in, in every script that was ever going to be written in, in that game. Uh, fair play to him, he was two yards out, and he didn't put it over the bar like he did at Hull earlier on in the season. Um, but then he proceeds to go and celebrate in front of the Norwich fans in a really provocative way um, really bizarre way for for somebody who got a championship opportunity yes of course there was the Dean Smith connection but after what was a pretty substandard loan at Cheltenham in League One he didn't set the world alight by by any means um, 
he, yeah, Norwich gave him an opportunity. There was a, a moment of where he scored. I can't remember what the goal was, but he, he was kind of thumping and kissing the badge. It was very much or very supported uh, in terms of, uh, of from the fan base. Whether he feels grievances because his loan was terminated or something's gone on, I, I don't know. But it was just a very bizarre situation to have him as visually provocative as he was towards a group of fans who by and large supported him and look whether he feels that there was criticism about his exit I don't necessarily think it was at him I think it was more the situation but then the almost a laughable bit for me is he obviously goes off with, with an injury which you don't wish, wish on any player at all irrespective of, uh, of what, what they've done but then he, he has an opportunity and maybe it was quite telling actually he comes off the pitch and he comes off the pitch in kind of Norwich's half so in the half that they're attacking which is closer to, to where the Norwich fans were and instead of walking what would have been the shorter route considering he's injured um, uh, which would have taken him in front of the Norwich fans he opted to go for the longer route I mean he just a really bizarre episode from Someone who, I don't know, as I said, Sam, I, I always felt was was pretty well supported at, at, at Norwich City in his in his very brief spell here. He will have his reasons, and without hearing his side of the story, we we don't know exactly what's happened. But I just found the whole episode pretty um, unsavoury. Really. Yeah, I thought it left a bit of a sour taste, and unless there's something that we don't really know about, which is certainly very possible. Um, it's quite hard to fathom why. I've seen some maybe theorise that Dean Smith's exit and his treatment by the fans has, has something to do with it, given Ramsey's relationship with Smith and the fact that Smith gave him an, an opportunity to train with the senior team at Aston Villa and then obviously brought him to Norwich where he gave him a lot of game time at championship level. But yeah, He was part of a team that underperformed under Dean Smith. So. Yeah. I I didn't really I didn't really understand it at all, and I felt it was probably the last thing those that group of fans with the traffic they'd been through and the amount of travelling they did they had done after eight minutes to have to cope with that was was quite quite rough on them. And um, you know I'm pleased for him that for whatever reason he feels he's proved doubters wrong, but I'm not sure I saw many of them. Um, when he was at Norwich I don't know if it's one of those things where he's seen he's seen one comment and I think a lot of people are are susceptible to something like this where maybe they'll see one comment and it really sticks in their head and despite and it becomes everyone's comment exactly yeah. and despite the amount of positive criticism I think it's it's partly human nature to siphon off the good bits and um, and focus on what people have said so I don't know if that's his in his character and maybe he's seen one or two things that he felt were over the line and He's generalised it, as you said, and made them everyone's um, comments. But, yeah, I didn't really expect that at all, and I'm not sure Norwich's players did, um, which maybe hints at more confusion. Because if they had known that it had been a, some sort of dramatic fallout with someone and, and they, they knew the reasons why Ramsey was so angry, I'm not sure they would be so irritated and bewildered by his behaviour. Because after that goal, we saw... Josh Sargent seemed to be quite angry with Ramsey and trying to have a word with him. Ono Hernandez came over from left wing almost over to the right back position to um, to express his frustrations when Ramsey was on the floor injured um, in the first half and Norwich were trying to get the game back underway. So, yeah, there seemed to be a lot of irritation from a number of players sort of throughout the match with Ramsey and I think that probably gives you an insight into quite how confused everyone involved in the situation is but Aaron Ramsey is the man with uh, the answer to that question so I wouldn't mind if he did some media in the next few days but barring that 
probably slim possibility. It's, it's difficult to see whether we'll ever get an explanation and it might just be one of those um, football folklore stories that stays behind the curtain for a, a good long while. But yeah, I felt for Norwich's fans there because I didn't think they really deserved that for how much they put into supporting the team on that day and also what they'd given Aaron Ramsey during his time at Norwich. It, it, it did feel slightly harsh and slightly needless for me, to be honest. Does he get a Middlesbrough loan without that spell at Norwich City? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Um, so, so there we go. Um, and and those conversations that you mentioned there definitely continued uh, post-match because uh, as, as we were waiting, um, myself and Chris Gorham, to speak to Angus Gunn after the game, um, him and Max Aarons had to be separated in the tunnel and it was long after the full-time whistle um, because... Ramsey, uh, I'm paraphrasing and, and leaving a lot of words out, but essentially felt he'd left a little bit on that tackle um, and claimed he was trying to have a constructive conversation, which I don't necessarily think he was. But uh, both of those players got kind of bundled in their respective change rooms and uh, Johnny Housen was left asking kind of what, what had happened. So uh, there, there we go. Um, Paddy, I mean, how, how, would you, how, how, would you, how would you end this, um, this, this podcast, really? It's, um, it's been a... a, a tough one maybe slightly cathartic for people I, I don't know I don't know if it's been slightly cathartic for us but it's a, a tricky old spot that they're, they're in at the moment but for all that we've spoken about and obviously results are, are not massively going their way as some of these games hit half time so Coventry are, are winning that one doesn't quite look like it's, it's half time yet Luton are beating Rotherham which is standard Millwall beating Preston which I would say is probably the worst result for Norwich really um, Sunderland have, have got an equaliser against Birmingham they were 1-0 down um, or obviously you may well listen to this and know the full-time scores and Watford are beating Bristol City as well uh, and West Brom are losing to Stoke so at, at this moment in time as we sit here around this table Norwich City sit in ninth on the table um, obviously with Blackburn to play later but there'll be, there'll be four points behind Millwall uh, one point still off, off the playoffs and, and Coventry are in there at the moment there's a, a gang of teams at this moment around kind of 59 to 62 Um so for as much as we kind of talk about Norwich and on all of those aspects, for David Wagner, it's about kind of resetting. And, and, and if this picture does stay the same, it's about trying to get this team up for a, a push in, in the last four games, isn't it? But when you've not scored a home goal since Marquinhos is won against Cardiff in February and you've won one in seven and the mood around the place is tough and you've just lost 5-1, that feels like a really tall order. It does. But, I mean, we're nearly a half... We're nearly at half-time in these games um, and Norwich remain what they were at the final whistle Friday night, which is a point out of the top six. Yes, Blackburn have games in hand. Yes, they've dropped down a place in terms of the league positions, but it's not beyond the realms that they'll come the final whistle in these games this afternoon, Saturday afternoon, they'll still be a point out. So, <laughs> if you're the arch-optimist, you, you go in and you tell that group of players, well... We were we're the same. We haven't lost any materially. Haven't lost any ground in terms of the the situation. If they can amass enough points in what games remain, then you know at least they prolong it to the to the final game and Blackpool at home. But um, I think increasingly for me, it's a hold, we're in a holding pattern now, and 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 it's all about signals for the what next, and that's in small small areas it's a Byron coming back in who you think might be part of it moving forward certainly uh, Johnny Rowe Abu Kamara seeing more of those conversely seeing less of Timu Puki we know he's not going to be here beyond the summer 
Um, he's not offering anything at all really at the moment and, and he's one part of a broader issue about unlocking some goal scoring threat but he isn't we know definitively not going to be part of this so I think we start to see less of him in, in the starting 11s at least in the, down the stretch and that's where I feel this is, this is at now it's yes not mathematically impossible so they will press on regardless but for all the reasons discussed in the previous 55 plus minutes here um it's about what next and, and little sing signals of where Wagner's thinking is because along with Weber, until we're told different, those are the two who are going to shape the what next. So, um, yeah, we'll continue to tread water, to use that metaphor, and, uh, and then once we know where we're at, then um, maybe we can put our feet on the bottom. I don't know why I'm going down a swimming analogy, but we can put our feet on the bottom of the pool. I'll go with it now. keep going now. Uh, Make sure we don't drown. We'll take, yeah, we'll take a pause. And uh, Can you take a pause when you're swimming? Well, if you've got your feet yeah. on the bottom. I'm talking like you're in the shallow end at that right, point. Okay. So you can rest. But are they in the shallow end? Well, well, in the sense of the season will be over. <laughs> we could do another hour on this. It's got, <laughs> gone very philosophical. but uh, And then it'll be about, um, you know, hopefully navigating a path to uh, the other end of the pool where where uh, where the promotion the is where the, the deep end exactly where you want to be because that means do you want to be at the deep end you do because the deep end is where it's at who wants to be down the shallow end nobody wants to be in the shallow end well if you can't swim then you know get out of the pool there's not going to be a, there's not going to be a lot of chance of you uh, no we'll stop right here now <laughs> yeah i'm trying i'm trying to butcher swimming analogies with football but it's not really working so but ultimately I think I've said ultimately about eight times in this podcast. I've replaced. Someone's going to pull you up on that. Well, I've said it. I pulled myself up, haven't I? Now, so um, I've replaced fundamentally, but I've brought in ultimately off the bench. But uh, yeah, it, it just feels like we know what what's got to happen, or we know what league they're going to be in next season. But we can't definitively say that, and um, certainly they can't say that internally. And until they can then you know, we'll have to uh, go along with the charade that they still are in the playoff mix and that they can somehow scramble into the top six when, when I think graphically illustrated at the Riverside on Friday night they're, uh, they're, they're nowhere near the teams who justifiably can, can expect to look that they can go into those playoffs and really challenge for that third and final promotion spot in the Premier League next season so um, you know, as I say we'll, we'll tread water for a few more games and then when when the inevitable is confirmed. We need, we really need then to see some serious messaging um, about what comes next. Because if we don't, then I fear it's going to be quite a quite a, a fractious summer. Because uh, you know, I don't think there's too many Norwich fans, despite you know again the healthy take up of the season ticket numbers. Uh, but we've said that before. Don't conflate season ticket renewals with uh, tacit acceptance for the direction of travel. That's clearly not the case. Uh, and it was visibly illustrated uh, at the end of Dean Smith's tenure in that toxic Blackburn game in December at Carrow Road. Uh, they won't accept this again next season, I'm pretty sure of that. So uh, if it is the Championship, then let's see who's who's on board, who's, who's driving it forward and, and what direction they want to drive it in. And then, then it's up to them to execute the plan at the minute. I don't think we really know the answers to a lot of those questions and that needs to happen. Clarity is the bare minimum what your Norwich fans are going to need from here on in, I think. 
Yeah, Norwich are front calling their way to the end of the championship season and we've done a running bomb to the end of the podcast. So uh, that, we'll, we'll leave it there. The, the tea's drunk, the fat has been chewed and uh, I'm not quite sure if we've got anywhere or answered any kind of questions, but hopefully uh, you enjoyed listening. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Of course, Pinkin.com and the Pinkin Plus app, the place to go throughout the week for all of the latest content. We'll, of course, be at Loftus Road. Loftus Road, dear me. For on Wednesday for uh, the next instalment of this uh, incredibly fun Norwich City season. Hope to see a lot of you there and uh, enjoy the rest of your, your weekend. Thank you very much for listening.